hello all you weird people and welcome to weird awakenings uh, we've been away for a few weeks it's really great to be back um, tonight we have miss hadley with us and our friends from wearing folk cecil and tully and as always the awesome mr steve hill how's everybody doing good swimmingly yeah. Right. Swimmingly. <laughs> I, I like swimmingly. I don't hear that word enough. <laughs> All right. So last time we were on, we were talking about Lost Lands and we were kind of focusing on Atlantis. And tonight we're going to continue that on and talk about Lemuria and Mu. Uh, both for uh, lands similar to Atlantis that were thought to have met a disastrous end and to have disappeared. Um, some people kind of use uh, Lemuria and New as interchangeably, but then there are other schools of thought that they were actually two completely separate lands. Um, Lemuria was thought more to be in the Indian Ocean. Mu um, tended to be more um, or in research. I tended to find it more in the Pacific. But then I've also seen them where they look like they're side-by-side -side continents. So like I said, you know, it was uh, kind of before the land broke up and everything because um, I did find one map that showed Mu as attached to Australia, you know, before the land masses broke apart and everything. So here we go. Lost lands. Lost lands. Dots. You know, this was really interesting. And mm -hmm. I found a lot of connections between Lemuria and Mount Shasta. Oh. Which Mount Shasta is one of those places, it's like supposed to be like an energy center for North America, number one. It's where a lot of the ley lines connect to. And it is um, a place where there's a, I've, well, I've heard of some really incredible Bigfoot um, and alien activities there. So yeah. I, I think I've probably shared this with y'all before. Um a lady that I know from, she does like energy healing. She goes and does like grid work out in Mount Shasta. And that's like where you work with the land and the energy and all. And um, <laughs> this is from a friend of mine that she's got a PhD in psychology. She works at the, um, I guess like the crazy farm here in Mississippi. But she's a, she's a doctor out there. And, um, <laughs> She was, she was the one that told me about this lady. So I started watching her and she like has this whole account of a Bigfoot encounter that she had when she was out working. And so to me, this has kind of validated the whole Bigfoot thing because you hear you have this lady who, you know, is a world speaker and she does all of this like quantum physics type stuff. And she's talking about Bigfoot and it's not her area. It's not what she talks about, but she said, yeah, I have this Bigfoot that he will come and he looks after me when I'm doing my grid work at Mount Shasta. And so anyway, I just thought it was really interesting, but um, it was really cool to find the Lem that the Lemuria stuff tied into that area. Yeah. That is that, that's not as uncommon as you might think for Bigfoot uh, to be uh, protectors of certain people. Well, she said that one night she was out there camping, doing her stuff, and this car drove up. And, of course, this is California, you know, it's the serial killer capital of the United States. And um, they, they were acting real weird, and that's when the Bigfoot showed up and he ran them off. <laughs> yeah. I'm Zodiac. <laughs> if you have somebody out there protecting you that's somewhere between eight and ten feet tall, <laughs> <laughs> covered in fur, I did with basketball, but <laughs> I did keep yeah. up a couple different maps. If you want me to share, I can show oh, yeah. of yeah. the of the placements. Yeah, perfect. Let me see here. Uh, not slots. Let's see. So here's one of the OGs, and I can probably get this bigger. Look at that. That's Tartaria. So, <laughs> so here's North America. This is where Atlantis is supposed to be. And this was Mu or Lemuria. And then the other uh, maps show Lemuria is almost like a dual civilization. So in these maps, you've got 
Lemuria surrounding Australia on both sides. And from what I had read, Lemuria is Mu in a lot of the accounts that, that yeah. I read that yeah. Lemuria became Mu later on. Yeah. But I just wanted to give like a visual. Yeah. And, and I've seen the, the same thing, you know, where it's used interchangeably. Uh, but I have seen some accounts where they're two separate places. <laughs> so like I said, I think it's probably whichever school of thought you happen to come across because uh, I think it was Blavatsky hey. back in, uh, Oh, hey, did I miss somebody? Uh, uh, Bavlotsky back in Russia in the late 1800s um, did a lot of channeling, supposedly, uh, from people from Mu. Bavlotsky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that would be correct. So, but I've, I read a lot of bizarre stuff about Lemuria. Hey, hey, Mr. Mike. How you doing, Mike? What was that, Tully? I was just saying, like, I don't know if you guys came across, like, bizarre stories about Lemuria, but I came across some pretty weird stuff, like how it was kind of infused into Greek culture. Um, like, apparently, Lemuria was famed for, um, I guess, the theme of their culture was all based around art mm -hmm. and also connected into Greek mythology. Like, when you look into mythology... Lemuria was allegedly one of the place, one of the last places that Zeus walked the earth. Oh, cool. So, how did Blavatsky tie into it, Morgana? Like, I didn't really read that part about it. Give me one second. Let me pull that one back up in front of me. Because that, uh, that's an interesting character in history for sure. Yeah, she she definitely is. Um, let's see. Um, she was working with a. The uh, psychic investigator Henry Still Alcott, and um, in her uh, book *The Secret Doctrine*, she claimed to have learned of Lemuria, um, and it was shown to her by survivors of the Lost Continent. Is wow. uh, what she's what she says, and said that um, the Lemurians were the third of seven root races of humankind. Okay, they were hermaphrodites with psychic abilities and a third eye. Atlantans, Atlanteans, she stated, were the fourth root race. They evolved from the Lemurians after much of Lemuria sank. Okay. And they lived on the edge of the continent in the North Atlantic. So, like I said, a little bit different take on it. But um, that's where I first heard about Lemuria was uh, researching her back years ago. Wow. And everything. Yeah. So I want to say that I read something about Lemurians and the redheaded giants. Really? Yeah, that there's a tie in there, and that ties all into the Mount Shasta stuff. Those guys keep popping up. I know yeah. that's what I saw. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, Vaughn Gout. Gout. She's. Uh, her parents were from Laos. And working in the uh, uh, the temples over there is what her dad did. That's where he learned to speak English. And anyway, this woman, she lives in Washington State now. And she's told the stories that in northern Laos, every second or third generation, uh, these people, are, they're completely Asian, but they will have blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of ties into the, what the Nazis were doing. Going through yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Because <laughs> well, there was that there was that tribe of blonde-haired, blue-eyed people in the middle of the rainforest or something that they, they came across, wasn't it, Cecil? There well, were there was, and this is before Nazi Germany. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I've yes. got I've got yes. help tonight. Um, Y'all can hear him, but there was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed people in Japan. Yes. So, that's kind, of, that's kind of strange that because they always, the two common and, and what's it called? Um, people of antiquity, I guess, um, mm -hmm. ancestors, are blue-eyed, blonde-haired people and giant yeah. redheads. 
Yeah. They're everywhere. They're literally well, everywhere. Everywhere. All over the world. You'll find well, them. and that, to me, for research I'm currently doing right now, one of the books I'm writing, I'm pulling from the Twatha Day Denine, and, you know, those were the... Um, the elven she that were supposedly came from an airship from the sky and they were blonde and red hair. It was the god Lou and wasn't he blonde, Morgana? Yeah, I think so. There was the, the civilization that I think I was listening to it on a podcast and it was about the blonde, this blonde haired, blue eyed tribe that they came across in the, the rainforest. And not only were they very weird people, like just very inhuman, um, they also spoke tons of languages, like pretty much any language. Some of the information that I found researching this, and I'm, like I said, we took a break, and so it's not as fresh as it was, but <laughs> it led to me um, saying that like Lemuria, they believed that it had been relocated in South America within the rainforest, like down there in the jungles, and that that's why a lot of the... Um, a lot of their artwork that they had in the temples and all portrayed these tall, kind of alien-looking people. That makes sense. <clears throat> well, and I'll tell you, too, and this has uh, come up in the past, and I, I've thought about it before, too. Even if you look at the Aborigines in Australia, you know, the children are 99% of the time born with bright, blondish white hair, and they have blue eyes, you know, which is very unusual for dark-skinned people. Yeah, and everything. So. Something um, just on YouTube, which y'all know my YouTube probably pulls up some very strange stuff, but it was talking about <laughs> the um, that there are people that they're dark like the Aborigines, but there are other tribes, like there was one that was in India, that they're not African, but they have the black, black skin. Yeah, in southern India. Mm-hmm. And that there, it, it wasn't just India, though. There was a couple of other places, like some islands, and um, it was it just really yeah. fascinating. And that's yeah. one of the other things that ties in to the, I guess, Central and South America, is there's a lot of, um, in their artwork, there's a lot of people who have the Asian features and who have African features. And that tied into the, the Lemurian with the multiple races and um, the aspects there. Yeah. Well, and I don't just... know the name of the stat the statues in the Amazon, but they have a statue head similar to Easter Island, but we know Easter Island has bodies. The old, old Mac. Yeah, they, they have African features all now. Yeah, they do. And the pyramids are all over the place. They're all over the Pacific on the islands that are still there. There's even a, there's even a pyramid in Hawaii. Wow, really? Yes. I didn't know that. There are pyramids in Laos. There are people who are born completely Asian, born with blonde hair and blue eyes in northern Laos from the Hmong tribe. H-M-O-N-G. Wasn't it that the last time Nubaru came around, they came and knocked humanity down a notch? Yeah. Well, see, like all, all, yeah, see all, the stories, all the stories that have been collected from the Pacific all go back to a flood. And then what the what the stories are that the locals will tell that have been kept by the Buddhists there is that the people who made it to the highest parts of the mountains survived. But the people who got in boats, they survived. So once again you have the flood. And I know you I know you've read about this probably too, but wow. so I heard that not only did they do that, but they edited our genome yeah. to to be basically different, like you know, it, we keep stumbling upon blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and red-haired giants, right. which are probably dominant. But then, you know, they they could have used something like CRISPR to make us <laughs> well, <yeah>. not <laughs> more human. Yeah, yeah. Well, for any anybody who's interested in it, if you want to, if you want to hear a really interesting podcast or well, a YouTube deal, Lloyd Pye, everything you know is wrong. Lloyd Pye, he was from Louisiana, and the title of it is Everything You Know Is Wrong. Everything, according to Lloyd Pye, every, every, every bone that they claim is actually human is, is, is an ape. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, so. this, well, and 
we've talked about that before. Like when yeah. the Anunnaki were here, they basically took their DNA and the life on the planet and made yeah. versions of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that, that's what that is. And I can't remember the guy's name right now who wrote all those books, Chariots of the Gods, uh, the book he wrote. Uh, well, I, I don't care about. if it is just us, but at some point in time, we're going to have a weekend where I'm going to plan like and have this lady that I know. Y'all are going to have to all come to Mississippi. We'll have to have this lady that I know do. Um, she does past life regressions. And she does it as a group, which I've done before. Oh, and wow. um, it, well, I mean, it's just you, you get a group of people together and have a shared experience. And it's really cool. And I'd also love to get Tracy together to do a drumming for us. And let's do a journey. Because that's cool. always fun. Um, you know, we're getting into that Malawaska stuff. Or what? The, last, <laughs> say, the, the last time Cecil did a journey, I think he melted into the couch. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, don't, no, you don't have to do any of that. It's, you, know, you don't have to do any mind altering substances. Not wrong. Just drumming. Just drumming. <laughs> cool. Hang on. I want to share this picture, too, I found that uh, actually shows. Um, let's see. That does sound cool, though. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. It's going to take me forever to get that. Can y'all see that? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the one I was talking about earlier that shows that it was connected to Australia and Lemuria was separate, but it's not separate by much. It's almost like it could have broken off at some point. So the middle was already watered? Am I seeing that right? Well, they said that it sunk and that the Atlanteans lived on the outer edges of it in the beginning. Until they migrated? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep, that was my understanding. From So, will they migrated through America, you think? Possibly. I mean, it's, it looks like everything's they, still attached over on they, that side. It, they, were, they were advanced, so they definitely could have got there by boat. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. That, that's one of the things that really really irritates me is they all of my life all my school and everything else you know every, everything you're always taught was always evolution that man started out as pond scum and then, ape <laughs> and then all this other stuff that, that, that's just uh, i just it it really grabs me because there's no way that we started out that way we started out it was a highly advanced civilization. There's evidence of it all over the world. Whenever you look at the Tartarian stuff, you see evidence for these pyramids. Look at the mathematics that are in the Great Pyramid alone. And and the official story from that is that 300,000 people within 200 years, they went from gathering up seeds and roots out in the desert to building the Great Pyramid. No way. No possible way. They just had a really good supervisor. Yeah, I, I mean, and they didn't even realize the thing had eight sides to it until the 1950s or 60s when a plane flew over it. Just like pictures. we went from from flying mu- or shooting muskets to you know driving Corvettes in less than a hundred years. You know, yeah. 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 It's, but, well, yeah, they're it's, finding. Didn't they find recently a new humanoid hominid type person? They're yes. finding them all the time. They suppress it all. The time. It was near yeah. where they found that. Um, I can't think of what it was called, but it was in that same cave area where they found the last one. Well, the the two people from the stories that I read, whenever we were looking at, at Atlantis, the and then the names escaped me, but um, the two folks in the Anunnaki that were assigned to create workers, us, whenever they needed them, they said they went through a bunch of different iterations before they were happy because they wanted a certain level of cognitive ability, but not the, not the full potential that the Anunnaki had to, to almost slip dimensions, like to see additional, like more than 3d, you know? Well, I mean, the human what, being what is does a, go into CERN. Um, <laughs> July 5th, they crank it back up. Yeah. A, human, a human being is a, a immaculate creature, really. Though, if you think about it. not not yeah. this one sitting in this chair, but I mean, some <laughs> um, like a human being, like the way that we used to hunt, we used to just run our prey to death. Like, yeah, 
that, that's the one thing, but the human has that other animals don't have the longevity to be able to run for like miles upon miles if they work at it, you know, because they don't sweat. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like if you look at it the way that we're designed, we were designed to overcome like other creatures and things like that because of like little things like sweating well, and, stuff. and even even mainstream scientists say that Earth isn't a friendly place. Even if evolution were the answer, that Earth isn't a friendly place. Like we we're not adapted in the way that something naturally occurring would would have adapted. Yeah, like almost everybody you talk to has back problems, mm-hmm. and it's probably because of the gravitational pull. And we're not still probably the hormones in our food back. too. Oh, and everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this is just a personal observation. When I worked um, at an undisclosed place, we had a group of people that would come in, young people, and I don't have kids, so this is you know. I haven't seen 13 year olds since I was 13 and these girls came in and they're more developed than an adult woman was when I was in college. (laughs) And you start thinking about hormones and food and you start looking at the way that children are developing younger and younger now. And it's like, um, one of my friends, child's female, she's like nine or 10 and she's already started her menstrual cycle. Wow. And you start thinking about that, and I mean, there's something to be said about hormones and food. When you look at that, and you look at chickens that their chicken breasts are so big they can't even stand on their feet. Well, I feel like that's been going on since the '90s, though, because when I was in sixth grade, I had a beard, and I was six foot three. So, (laughs) 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 well, I really do think that that is the case that it has gradually built up and built up and built up because I can even remember in the nineties, them talking about, Hey, our food doesn't have hormones, which to me says we were putting hormones in our food. Well, I think like there's, there's definitely nefarious beings left over from these civilizations. Some of them, but what I was, what, what this all puts me in the mind of, it goes back to the story that we covered in Atlantis before they, had to migrate um apparently when they when they made the final product like when they made us um they made us to where we were we were imperfect compared to them however if we had the discipline to explore ourselves like our minds and basically the equivalent of you know like monks and you know people who have super long meditative experiences or, you know, find a way like you, you hear it all the time of people, you know, breaking through into other realms and, you know, like you were talking about past life regression, like the doors there in our minds, but they locked it away on purpose for us to find. And that plays into everything that's going on today to try to, like calcify our pineal glands um, to make us wore out, to make us sick. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's all by design so that we can't. It used to be a lot easier for us as humans to get there, you know? You know, I, uh, back years ago, um, my son bought me uh, a Kindle because I read and it. I had a very difficult time adapting to it. I mean, it took me years to adapt to it. And uh, so I was researching it. You know, why, why is this such a problem? You know, I can carry 10,000 books with me as opposed to one. And um, the, the way that it was worded in the article I read, and I was reading it, it was, uh, I think it was in Science. It was on their website. And it was the human mind was not created to read for enjoyment. It was something that was evolved and adapted over time. But the fact that it was worded as the human mind was not created always stuck with me, you know, because it's just a very interesting way to word that. Well, I've read so much stuff over time. I mean, I'm not into as much as the conspiracy stuff as I once was. 
totally. I was that. trying to hold it together. <laughs> yeah, like a link ascent. I'm so sorry. I was not expecting that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but that's one of the things that I read was that, like, mankind was created. And if you think about it, so much of what we're capable, I mean, animals have a sixth sense about danger. And people don't. And we've talked about this before, I'm sure, with the whole um, I always recommend that Gavin DeBecker book about the gift of fear and about how we don't listen to our intuition anymore. And that's something that we've been domesticized out of. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear you think. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> totally laughing me. <laughs> Hi, hey, Alan. Hey, Alan. Hey, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I said, you know, I, 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 I agree. You know, like I said, I think that, you know, at one point we were probably a lot more in tune. I know for a fact I was. I mean, even over the last decades, you know, I know how much more intuitive I was 10 years ago than I am now. And, you know, a lot of it is intentionally blocking out stuff. But I think a lot of it, too, is just, you know, you're exhausted all the time and, and not, yeah. And not for a really apparent reason. It's a lot of times. I think, I think a lot of, like I said, I think a lot of it's throughout history has been designed to keep us at a lower level. Like I, I really do believe that. Yeah, well, and stop, <laughs> stop looking at me, Cecil. I'm not even looking at you. I'm looking at the screen. <laughs> Part of it now is an indictment of our public education system. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you've got a handful of people uh, deciding what's teachable and what's not, but, so imagine yeah. what's not being taught. We already we talk about that well, all the time too. Well, yeah. Actually, was- I've I found where I had had made a note to myself um, a couple of years ago on my Facebook memories it popped up and it was I wonder what the Japanese and the Germans teach about us. Oh wow. <laughs> That's scary. Big dumb people. Well I mean it, it's it is everything we learn yeah. is fed, spoon fed to us mm-hmm. by people we don't even know. It's right. true. It's they're the making system, those decisions for us. The system yeah. was created to make workers not happy people. Oh, right. But, you know, I know that uh, Hadley and I've talked about the fact that in school, it was when I got to college before I ever knew that we had Japanese internment camps during World War II. It was never taught in my school. You know, none of the textbooks had Germans, talked about it. Um, they had a German work camp in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah. See? Whoa. No clue. So, like I said, you know, I mean, it just, and I mean, it's, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, but I'm like, you know, you'd have thought someone would have mentioned it, you know, at some point throughout school, but I was literally in college before I ever knew that. Well, when I was taking my Reiki classes, um, the lady who brought Reiki to, quote, America was Japanese. I mean, it's originally a Japanese technique and because of world war ii it was something that was greatly frowned upon and people weren't willing to trust it now if you know anything about reiki reiki is all about you know love light and you know if you just it's just energy helping other people it's non-invasive it's there's no there's no you know ill intent involved in it but because of that they um they say that it. I think it comes from Hawaii and not Japan because it had such negative connotations for so long. Well, the same thing too. I mean, along those same lines is uh, there was a school out in like Arizona, I think, that was doing yoga classes in the afternoon with their students, and parents had a fit because they were teaching Satanism to their kids. You know, they're trying to teach these kids to relax, you know, and let things roll off. But, you know, instead of finding out what yoga is, you know, they just immediately assumed because they didn't know what it was that it had to be something bad. And I wasn't going to get into this last night on Watching Weird. We were talking about the omen. Uh (laughs) I was staying staying away from from biblical um, type movies. Mm -hmm. And um, and 
in regards to the omen, they're like, well, that's Satanism. It's not Christianity. I'm like, but Satanism is really based on the Bible. Yeah, so it all ties together. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's like the anti-Christian Bible. I mean, it's, it doesn't, it's not a standalone. It needs one for the other. But um, it's very, yeah. it's very much all tied back into control and the um, the Vatican. If you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil. And that goes, even if you're not a Christian, like if you believe in the higher power that is is inherently good, then there also has to be something that's inherently bad. Yeah, there's always a counter. Mm-hmm. There's always a counter, always a choice. You know, it's just yeah. like the uh, Native American <laughs> we thing. We were talking, you know? um, somebody had asked in the chat room about aliens and stuff about them being evil and I'm like but I mean can you even hold an alien species to what we think of as evil because yeah I mean, it's, they, it's all about what's taught right yeah it's all about I mean their culture and and you start I mean it could get really deep into that but for me evil is a matter of intention you know because we all come from different cultures which I mean we're we're all basically the same culture for the most part here but you have people on the opposite side of the globe who might have a totally different culture than us, but it's the intent. If they're, if you intend to harm someone, if you intend to hurt someone, if you have, you know, if you want bad things to happen to someone and it's all coming from a horrible place inside of you, that's evil. Well, think about, and th- we're getting kind of off topic, but... <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) But I I was just going to say, if you think about ancient culture and you're born into a civilization that believes that human sacrifice is inherently good. And as a child, you're told, you know, the ultimate contribution that you can make to society is to sacrifice yourself if the occasion ever comes or sacrifice another person. I mean, just imagine what the culture was like back then. Okay, I have that memory. Let me let me put this in a different perspective for you, though. If okay, sacrifice doesn't have to be a blood sacrifice. True, true. You have so many people who, like, a parent will sacrifice a promotion so they can spend time with their children. You have, you know, people who sacrifice moving away because they they're taking care of an elderly parent you have people i mean there are sacrifices that we make and we make them for the greater good and you know what i'm saying is um, yeah no i i completely understand i i, I guess i was just thinking of like heads rolling down the aztec temple well, yeah, yeah. Well, that like, to me that's that's a power <laughs> fear and control thing there but for and the people that participated not necessarily to them that's the way i mean i guess you reach nirvana as it were that's the only comparison to the alien scenario that i could try to think of like if aliens came here and they were what we perceive as nefarious but it's their culture and they believe it to be the highest order or honor that they could have to do certain things well you have um slaves during the viking or norse culture that it was their highest honor to be sacrificed and buried with their chieftain. Yeah. And they would gladly do that. Yeah. Yeah, They would gladly do that. So if you're sacrificing, you know, if it's voluntary and not intentional. And I think that's the the purpose that we look at is if someone is screaming and yelling and they're, you know, dragging their feet, going to the altar to be sacrificed to the, the blood God or whatever, you know, obviously that's not the same thing as if someone says, you know, I, I, I will go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nope. I'm with you. Um, and I can, that, that might be a good segue. Do you want me to read the, the excerpt on the, the Zeus thing for Lemuria? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So it says at the time of the Lemuria civilization, Zeus was to be born, which I'm interpreting like come to earth. His name at that time was called Elamaria. When he was born on the ground, he showed his genius in every field of art, conveying to the people joy of life and the glory of God through art. 
and the name Illamaria comes from El Lemuria, which is said to mean the lot of God that fell on Lemuria. And after 15,000 years, Zeus ended his life on the ground, and Manu, which became Mu, was born. Hmm. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. So they're saying in this passage that Lemuria and Mu is the same thing? So Mu I guess was actually Zeus, a goddess. Zeus deciding to leave the earth signaled the beginning of Mu. It doesn't say where, like, there's no, in, in that scenario, there's no, like, location. Okay. It, so it, it could have been that they migrated after he left well, his earthly body. And I'm not, I'm just t trying to tie it together with what we learned about Atlantis and Poseidon. And I was wondering if Mu was a different god, if, if there was another one. Because wasn't there three? But there were three brothers. And what was it? Poseidon? H Poseidon, Hades, and, and Zeus. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would make sense. But uh, I do remember reading that there was a goddess called Mu also that was kind of tied in. Let me see if I can find that again. Stephen just sent me a very interesting picture. Yeah. I bet it's not as interesting as the one I sent. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that. I'm, I'm sorry. But just so y'all know, I, I was I was looking at um, ancientorigins.net, and I'll just let y'all go and look around there for yourself. I was trying to hold it together, and then I seen totally start busting out. <laughs> it was the, it was the shock factor for me. <laughs> I get tickled. I get tickled easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's cool that of the all the evidence they have of these two lost continents because Atlantis, you know, there's hard, there's little bits and pieces here and there, but this like the that part of the Pacific Ocean and the Indian Ocean is slap full of stuff at the bottom of the ocean. No one. I'm yeah, curious yeah, what y'all found out about how they found those, um, like a passage to the caves under Mount Shasta that were Lemurian. Did y'all not read it? Am I the only one who found that? I did yeah, not find, I didn't that. find that. Okay, no, I'm gonna have to go on a deep dive and, and look. <laughs> share. Make <laughs> sure you share. I, I will say, you know, we've seen three maps so far, and all the maps are different. In some regards, and uh, Stephen was actually talking about. I mean, we don't know the exact cartography, like whether it's accurate. And Stephen, you were talking earlier this week about, you know, all the underwater oh, yeah. explorations that they're doing. What was that off of yeah, the that, United that was, Kingdom? That was, yeah, the United Kingdom. I mean, at one, okay, here, here's the thing. Here's something else to remember. Before, before the great, before the flood, before the catastrophe of the, catastrophe of the flood which there's more than enough evidence to prove that that had to be real you, you got people like Robert Sepper uh, Randall Carlson Graham Hancock the, all, all three will tell you that the sea levels were 400 feet lower uh, at 11,600 BC than what it is now so if the sea levels were 400 feet lower how far out into the Atlantic could you go? <laughs> How far into the Pacific could you go? Well, because and you had the ice caps, the ice caps that melted. See, it's just like from Montana all the way over to Washington. There's evidence of a huge flood, and that had to be glaciers melting in Canada that that put out that much water to cause that much of a flood at an epic pace. Like yes, like. They suspect that it came from an um, asteroid hitting a uh, dive sheet in Greenland, and it melted everything under and it rushed through that area. You know, I remember finding one, too, and this was when I was actually looking up stuff about Atlantis before, that there is a swamp area down in Louisiana that they have found an ancient forest under the water. You know, and everything. Well, and they said that the way that that had to have happened to have preserved it like that was a very fast. Yes. You know, and you, just, you've heard all of the stories about people finding ruins underwater. And yes, I forget which story okay. is. I'm sorry, my dogs. 
No, you're fine. Um, well, I've got a 110-pound female German Shepherd that's got storm anxiety, and she's crawling over me right now. <laughs> so I'm going to put y'all on mute while I, I try and get her off of the sofa. Um, so there was a story, and I can't remember. Uh, we we cover so much stuff in these that I, I can't remember it all, but wasn't there someone who found like an underwater cavern and there was basically an autumn in there and it was almost like an energy weapon or something that um, he came across. And after that, they were uh, gatekeeping the location of, I think that they're probably, if they're exploring all these places that went underwater mm-hmm. and they kept their most valuable things in, in these temples and stuff, and they were way more advanced than us. Right. Then they're probably finding things that, you know, don't rust, mm-hmm. things that are ageless, and just gatekeeping, like you said, Stephen, the the fondants. Yeah, yeah that, that's what they're doing. They're gatekeeping. So it's just like Yanaguni off the coast of Japan. Those are yeah. huge steps, not made for people our size. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the gatekeepers are going to go ahead and tell you, no, that right there is just something that occurred naturally. Well, has the person who's trying to debunk that ever put on a diving suit and gone down there and looked at it? No. Yeah. Never it's, probably, it's perfect. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's almost yeah. like it's etched. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> engineered. Definitely engineered. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I found. Um, an archaeologist named Augustus Plongian um, was deciphering some hieroglyphics at uh, Mayan sites and uh, allegedly uncovered a story about two brothers who vied for a queen named Mu, which he connected with the continent. said one of the brothers was killed and the other took power just before the catastrophe struck and that Queen Mu fled and that she reached Egypt and became revered as the goddess Isis. Okay. So that ties the Egyptian civilization into the continent also. You know what? Uh, something I was thinking about too, like we, we've got the era of the Anunnaki and then we've got this era of like Zeus and uh, you know the other gods, Poseidon and then her. So, so what if because they only lived 15,000 years. So if Anunnaki's lifespan is 150 to 400,000 years, maybe it was like a, you know, like a child between Anunnaki and someone on earth, like, or like a, you know, even more watered down than that, I guess is what I'm saying to where you're only getting 15,000 years instead of 150. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying I mean, not to pay attention to my dog right now if you see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for me, with, with all these dates, I mean, it, it's, I, I, I just, I'm just not uncertain on all these dates whenever they go to talking about billions of years and all this stuff like that. I mean, because if you look into the Tartaria stuff, it's, 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 everything's a lot more modern than that. You know, well, yeah, Tartaria is really recent. Yeah, in terms I mean, that, of history, that's really recent, and a lot of a lot of that stuff that was left behind. You know, I mean, it was just, I don't know. It's I, I guess things that make me question that is just like with the, uh, uh, just with Mount St. Helens whenever it erupted. At, what was it, nineteen eighty-one, somewhere around in there? Yeah. And uh, one of the one of these uh, gullies or whatever they got carved out. You know, if you go to one of these modern geologists, they'll tell you that. That's 40,000 years old, but we know that it's only a little over 40 years. So it's the, the way the erosion took place. I mean, it all happened so rapidly that it, it could give the appearance of something much older. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that, that's why I want to question. That's why I try to question everything. <laughs> and no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, what, you know, all we have is what little record is left of these places. Um, And it's people's interpretation, you know, like when they say the God Zeus, like who knows, who knows? Like, you know, it could have just been some sort of engineered version of us or, you know, there's just, it's hard to tell because, you know, sometimes dragons in the sky could have meant 
you know, some sort of aircraft. Right. You know, it's just just like with the Aztecs and I think was wasn't the no it was the Mayans. Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. The feathered or the plumed serpent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Know, some kind of plumed flying flying serpent, you know. Could could that have been that? I mean, I mean and you go to looking at the at the rocks that have been carved on in South America. And it shows all kinds of fascinating stuff. And where astronauts, again, no, I'm sorry. There, there's one of the Aztec um, temples that has an astronaut on it. Yes, yeah. Like yeah. helmet and everything. The yeah. exact same drawing is in uh, Egypt too. I'm pretty confident. Yeah, you know, it's just like that that one bug they found in the in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> the one that can fly. The one that can fly, just like a plane, <laughs> whenever they put a motor on it. Yeah. They built they built some prototypes and proved a flying that bug. That's perfectly I don't believe that's a true thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's what they claimed it was. No, it was just some type of a bug they had in Egypt. Uh, yeah, come on. They made a real model. <laughs> It's a little thing, and they made a bigger model of it, yeah. like to the spec, and it, they put a little engine on it and flew perfect, just like yeah. a plane. And it and it actually flies; it works. They had the aerodynamics correct on it. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if they didn't have, if they didn't have some technology before, you know, prior to that, you know, it's just just like the water erosion on the spanks. This is going to sound crazy. Um, there was some of those beetles. With the, like the the four wings that come off, yes. There's supposed to be someone who collected those wings, and made basically a mat out of it. And whenever he got on it, it allegedly levitated him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really. Um, and he said he played around with it, and this was supposed to be a. I think it was in South America, again. And after he levitated with it, and he was, uh, what did he have? A Geiger counter. And it was off the charts. So he used it a few times, and he was like, well, I don't know the long-term effects of using something like this. But he basically found that that these these beetles that were flying, it wasn't only because of the aerodynamics of their... Um, wings and it, he had a friend who was in the cia and um the person in the cia was like you do not need to tell anybody about this like you yeah. just need to keep it to yourself yeah but yeah so, that was the, I, I listened to a whole account about that if i can figure out so naturally told everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah well no what it was is um there was a guy who went to south america looking for interesting stories for like a conspiracy book yeah. And they directed him to all these different people, and he gets all these different stories about stuff like that. And he said that the person who told him this, he went to like a, a like a dirt village in the middle of South America, and they took him to this person who had the story, and he had close ties with the CIA, but he wasn't in the CIA. And whenever they got to his house in the middle of nowhere, it was like a mansion, like a modern house. Wow. Yep. If I can figure out what uh, episode that was, I'll send it to you. Okay. I found what I was looking for. There was a man by the name of J.C. Brown in 1904 who was employed with Lord Caldray Mining Company of London, England, who was hired to prospect um, for precious metals in the gold-bearing region around Mount Shasta. While he was there, he ran onto a section of rock in the face of the cliff that didn't seem to match the surrounding formation. And while he was examining the stone, he noticed it blocked the entrance to what appeared to be a cave. A geologist, he thought the entire scene was unnatural, and he began to dig around the mouth of the cave, which was full of debris and vegetation. Well, as he began to... I guess, go through this stuff, he found out it was not a small cave, but actually a tunnel that curved downward into the mountain. And so he went and with lanterns and miners paraphernalia and kind of explored 
About three miles from the mouth of the tunnel, he struck a cross-section containing gold-bearing ore, and farther on, he struck another cross-section where an ancient race apparently had mined copper. He believed that other cross-sections outcropped on some other part of the mountain. The decline continued approximately for 11 miles inside the mountain to where he found what he called a village, village blitz, I don't know what that is, where there were many rooms and chambers, and they were literally full of various plates, all inscribed neatly. The walls were lined with tempered copper and hung with shields and wall pieces made of gold. Some of the golden plates he found were engraved with certain drawings and hieroglyphics. Rooms opened up into other chambers, and one of them even appeared to be a place of worship. So, in addition, there were 13 statues made of copper and gold and a large sun um, designed with um, protruded golden streamers. There were other objects. Um, he had the feeling that ocup occupants of this underground village had left on the spur of the moment. And then he came upon a macabre scene in which he counted 27 skeletons, the smallest of which was six foot six, and the largest stretched out more than 10 feet. Two of the bodies were mummified, each in colorful, elaborate robes. He spent many days exploring, studying the hieroglyphics, and imprinting them in his mind. Well, he thought he had made this great archaeological find. He decided to leave the tunnel and he, you know, covered it back up. So he, but he didn't want anybody to steal anything, but he wanted to be able to find it. Well, for the next three decades, his activity seemed to be shrouded in mystery, but it is known that he studied the literature and philosophy pertaining to the lost continent of Mu and the lost Lumerian civilization, along with lore over prehistoric races. Years of study, uh, in comparison of hieroglyphics and pictographs he found in the tunnel, convinced him they were indeed records of the Lemurian race. And after 30 long years, he surfaced. Um, I, I saw a lot of videos on this. Like I said, this was the most interesting thing that I found about it. I mean, there's videos, videos, videos of it on YouTube. And um, he disappeared under mysterious circumstances, never to be seen or heard from again. Course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but he uh, never, he, for the thirty years, he never could refine the entrance to that um, that cavern either. Well, I was going to so say, strange. how I mean, it must have been a language that he could read if he was studying like their texts. He's probably trying to memorize it so he could write it down later. It's so strange too because copper and gold are electricity conductors, like. Mm -hmm. So. Well, they say, and then there's one account, like in the 50s, where this professor said that he was looking at Mount Shasta and he saw a city there. I don't think that, uh, well, maybe copper and gold, but if you think about the conversations that we've had about Tartaria and Atlantis and even Lemuria and Mu, there's gold everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. there's statues made out of gold. If gold was valuable... <laughs> Do you think that they would be hanging it up as wall pieces? You know what I mean? It was just pretty back then. Yeah, it was just like yeah. a, a adorn your house or what. It'd be like getting a wallpaper, a, a Ray Dunn plate. Yeah, to put there's on your wall. There's a in one of the palaces in um, China in the Imperial City. There's a room that is nothing but like it. The walls are gold and lapis lazuli. Every yeah. time I try to say that word, I end up just going lappies. Li 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 <laughs> <laughs> I want a gold toilet. <laughs> so, okay. Final thoughts on what happened to Lemuria slash Moo or Moo? Moo Moo. Well, you know, I kind of think of with, uh, and going on, if say it was, if, if not a very connected you know, one big place that it was close, you know, like it had broken apart or whatever. Um, if it's over in the Pacific area, they've got that whole ring of fire where all of those islands, mm -hmm. you know, just pieces of, I think it could be something like that. You know, that would be a good place because like I said, there are still edges of it there that are very, you know, active as far as volcanoes and things like that. So mm -hmm. 
that would definitely be something that could sink an island. Yeah, that's kind of what I think about it too. Because we even in up into the eighteen hundreds, we have instances of land masses just going underwater in an instant, like with the pink and white terrace in Australia, New Zealand, rather. They were there one day, and the next day they were just gone. You know, like sunk Krakatoa. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's possible, and, and with the mud flood, it's even more possible that they just yeah. got wiped out and sunk. Right. Yeah. Between between with all the uh, catastrophe that took place, uh, the oceans rising, uh, tectonic plates shifting, Zealandia is another is another place. It's two thirds the size of Australia, but it's a mile under the ocean now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, and Atlantis is south. I mean, is uh, the South Pole yeah. yep. covered in ice? <laughs> Hadley, I don't know. Um, I think that again, Earth changes. Obviously, Earth changes, but I'm curious where they were, where they went. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of stuff with that. I, I sent y'all a bunch of links for the Mount Shasta with mm-hmm. the people. This is, like, this is like the New Age people. I'm, right. I'm not saying that I'm to believe all of it, but mm-hmm. you know, there's stuff in there that's worth looking at. But they do believe that from time to time, those folks come down from Mount Shasta and travel through some of those towns up there. You know, I was going to say too. I found something while you were looking. I was looking too that uh, that mountain is also sacred to uh, an indigenous tribe called the Winneman Wintu. And that uh, the tribal leader was quoted as saying, we came out of that mountain, so we're obligated to be watchers of the mountain. So maybe that the local indigenous are, you know, uh, ancestors, or they were their ancestors. Well, there's a lot of people who go missing up there for sure. It's Mm -hmm. it's a place that, you know, is on my list of of places I would like to tentatively go to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. The just right people at the right time of the year. Right. Just don't try to pick up any kind of um, artifacts. Pick- it's a $20,000 fine the first time. Wow. Yeah, I'm not picking anything tough. home and I'm not picking up hitchhikers. Yeah. There you go. There and you if go. I see a furry basketball, I'm staying away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main rule of thumb. <laughs> That's right. Look at the butt shape. <laughs> All right. That was that was a good conversation, guys. I mean, even even the rabbit holes, you know, were, were really interesting. There's, there is never enough time to talk to you guys. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We'd be on here all night. Special yes. type of bunch right here. Right. <laughs> no, you know, since I'm doing Weird Wednesdays, y'all, are, y'all do not have to adhere to the one hour anymore. So. <laughs> right. We will keep that in mind. We, we can do that when we have an eight-hour episode. That's what I was about to say. We could be like that guy who does uh, he does almost ten-hour episodes by himself, not even talking to anybody. He's just talking. Is that the wow. guy that you had on your show once? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, love him. I jumped off after two hours. I, I listened to him for three, and okay. I think that was the first episode I listened to with you guys and I'm, I was just going through because I was getting ready to come on. So I'm like, Oh, well, let me go and watch, you know, watch something. And that's the one I picked. And when I hit uh, part three, I'm like, good God, we're not going to talk that long. Are we? Tony, nothing is as good as Cecil's mustache. It's the, it's the highlight of our week right here. Yes. Yes. It is pretty dope. He discovered he's 12 years old now. All right, guys, let's do it again next week. I think we've got uh, Native American spiritualism. If I'm not mistaken, y'all are going to make me want to come back. Well, you're always I got to do. (laughs) (laughs) We aim to tempt, just FYI. (laughs) Thanks for jumping on, David. You were always welcome. And y'all, David um, is somebody that we probably want to have come on sometime. Oh, awesome. He is um, an, a writer and he has some very interesting perspectives. So. Oh, cool. cool. Always. Like I said, drop us something. Tell us what you're David, interested drop in. A, and... Drop the name of your book yeah. in, the, in the chat. Right. So we can, we can do a shout out. His, his mustache is almost as great as Cecil's. Almost. 
See, <laughs> next next time I want you with the ends curled up in one of those little top hats or the derbies. <laughs> That's my bedroom attire. I can't wear it. <laughs> it is the Radius series by David Muga, and it comes highly recommended by Rich Ristucci. Okay. He was telling us about it last night. I'm going to have to pick it up. It sounds really great. Okay. Yeah, I've got that on my list. Awesome. Right. And um, I will mention this before we jump off. Stephen, there's been talk about having you come do some cryptid stuff with us, too, on okay. Watching Weird. So, sure. I'd love to sometime. Watching Weird. I'm a, I, entertaining. And I'm going to do a self-promo moment. Um, my, books, my book, um, Tapestry of Worlds, The White Raven Awakens, is on sale. Well, it's not on sale. It's free. I'm doing a giveaway, <laughs> a giveaway today and tomorrow. So if anyone wants to download it, all I ask is you leave a review. Um, okay, cool. And so that's that. Stay hydrated. Stay cool. And we'll see you next week. All, all right. right. Stay Bye, weird, everyone. people.